Welcome to A to Z Sports powered by BetMGM. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us all over social media. We're Nationals On Demand Sports Network, and we go live every weekday morning uh, at 8 Central Time on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch. Also hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Got to thank our sponsors because they truly do make it happen for us, and they help out you guys. Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the area at RentersWarehouse.com. Wilson County Hyundai, make them a part of your new car buying experience and process by checking them out in Lebanon or seeing what they have to offer at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. The Bone & Joint Institute, BoneAndJointTN.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care, and Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get better with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Better coverage, better rates, better service. Learn more about a plan for you at fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. So, yeah, a lot of news on this Wednesday with the Washington uh, Washington Commanders, officially official, even though Zach's known it for months and didn't tell anybody. And then also well, – uh, it, it has been – I mean, it's been public knowledge for, for it's us been a, it's aficionados. Been a it's been a strong, a strong guess that it could be the Commanders. But you no, can't no, no, I, there's, there's been screenshots that have been leaked. They've had screenshots like of a bunch of different stuff. Like, why would they like have what? this? Uh, the, the generals and a bunch of other, like no, the war. Wrong. Like, there's been a bunch of stuff, Zach. Wrong. But wrong. to say that you've known for months that it's going to be the Washington Commanders, you've had a good idea or a strong feeling that could be the Washington Commanders, but you didn't know it was going to be. Yes, the Washington- I've seen screenshots. Okay, All right, but you, you don't know what I've seen. You don't know what websites I look at. Okay. You don't but, know. So why wasn't it more public knowledge that it was just why they had this big unveil? The inner circles of people that know about athletic wear in pro- professional sports and know jerseys and know all of that stuff, it's been widely known. But for the common man like you, you didn't know. Yes, I, I feel I like I actually it named was- it a, a couple like a week or two weeks ago on the show if you remember. Again, it was not like you had a strong that? feeling that it could Yeah, I do remember you bring it up that it, that Commanders was the favorite, but you did not know for I a never fact. said favorite. I never said favorite. You said, said they're okay. going to be the Commanders. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I, I was we digress. Uh we'll get to the Brian Flores uh story as well because that is obviously huge because Brian Flores uh, a lawsuit against the NFL and three NFL teams for racism in their hiring processes of head coaches, also tampering and uh, uh, tanking with the Miami Dolphins as uh, the Miami Dolphins owner allegedly offered Brian Flores $100,000 per loss a couple seasons ago to tank for Tua in that situation. But now, Zach, let's lead with the Tennessee Titans as we were based in Nashville. So Ryan Tannehill has been a hot topic over the last week and a half after throwing three picks in a losing playoff effort where everybody wants somebody's head on a stake for the Titans blowing an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, losing to the Bengals. I did see this in 83 games in the NFL where a team has sacked the opponent nine or more times, held to that held that opponent to under 20 points and rushed for 120 yards the Titans are the only team to lose that game of 83 times that stat line has happened. Over nine sacks on your opponent, held the opponent under 20, and rushed for over 120 yards. The Titans, it, that stat is 81-1-1, and the Titans are the one loss there. So we move on, okay? 
John Robinson down at the Senior Bowl talks to Jim Wyatt of TennesseeTitans.com, so the in-house reporter. He'll be on with Buck Rising on the zone uh, later on uh, this uh, afternoon at 1220 Central Time. Had some comments because he was asked about Ryan Tannehill. Here is John Robinson's quote. I think Ryan is a leader. I think Ryan is tough. I think Ryan has made a lot of great plays for us. He is our quarterback. I don't know that there is a quarterback who stands in the pocket and looks down the barrel of a blitz and throws the ball as good as he does. I know he works tremendously hard, loves his teammates, is competitive. He's played a lot of good football. Next quote, to have a micro evaluation over one game is not fair to any player. I think you have to look at the scope of the body of work and what he has done for this football team since he has been here, In quote, John Robinson on Ryan Tannehill. So we're going to ask you guys a question about Ryan Tannehill's body of work. But my first immediate reaction to the first part of that quote, Zach, is Mike Vrabel said a lot of the same type of things about Todd Downing. He's a hard worker. He's got great relationships with the players and great relationships with the staff. He's a great coach. That's what Mike Vrabel said the Monday after uh, the Titans lost in the playoffs to the Bengals about offensive coordinator Todd Downing. So just because you're a hard worker and you've got great relationships with your coworkers doesn't mean you're good at the job. And so Ryan, uh, John Robinson said a lot of the same things about Ryan Tannehill. He works extremely hard, loves his teammates, is competitive. That doesn't necessarily mean he can take the Titans to where they need to go, just like Mike Vrabel's comments about Downing doesn't mean a damn thing about Todd Dan- Downing's ability to call the right plays in games in a playoff game for the Titans. I think that Alex Smith was the same way when he was in Kansas City. There's a lot of guys like that. Yeah. Great guy, hard worker, but you know what? Can't get it done. And I, I think for the body of work, uh, that is a a – a key word, right? A key phrase sure. in this entire thing. And what I don't think anybody's dismissing for what Ryan Tannehill has done for the Tennessee Titans franchise. And Austin, you mentioned this yesterday. They were in the dumps for a decade because they drafted incorrectly, right? They drafted Jake Locker, Vince Young, and, you know, then they had Mettenberger and then Wisenhunt, all that other stuff. And that really hurt their ability to gain fans, to build their brand, all that. Then they draft Mariota. Mariota ends up not being the number two overall pick that the number two overall pick should be. He gets them to a certain point, and John Robinson takes a risk, and we this is very important. John Robinson traded for Ryan Tannehill. He handpicked Ryan Tannehill. He found a way for the Dolphins to pay some of Ryan Tannehill's contract in the immediacy of the trade. That is, I mean, that's good general manager work. And what happened once Mariota didn't play well enough to start? Ryan Tannehill took over, and he played some damn good football in the regular season. And in that first playoff run, he played phenomenal, right? I mean, I think we were all surprised about him beating Tom Brady, the best team in the AFC, in Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, and then ran into a second-half buzzsaw that was Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a great run, but that was also three years ago, right? So, I mean, you got to kind of look at that of two years ago, three seasons, right? So, uh, I, I think for what... 
we have to understand, and Austin, you've said this multiple times, which I haven't disagreed with the fact of, I think the Tennessee Titans believe in Ryan Tannehill because the general manager handpicked the guy. Does he stand down the barrel of the blitz? Yes, that guy, and we've said that time and time again on this show, the the fact that he has gotten hit in the mouth and gotten up time and time again and completed the pass is pretty uncanny. And and the like, think about how often the previous guy was on the injury report, right? How how many times has Ryan Tannehill been on the injury report? Maybe with like a non throwing shoulder for a couple weeks, but really, I mean, the guy's been available and he's gotten hit a lot. He was the second most sacked quarterback in the NFL this past season, behind Joe Burrow, and he runs. And- and, yes. and he, he sacrificed, he, and he's not a touchdowns. huge slide yeah. guy. I, when right. I think slide, I don't think Ryan Tannehill. I think get the first down. That's the yeah. type of quarterback he is. He's kind of like Josh Allen in that aspect. Is He tries to get the first down instead of taking the safe way and sliding. Right. So what – because the, the main part about this is obviously Ryan Tannehill has done big things for the Tennessee Titans in the regular season. And the body work that John Robinson talks about – is that he helped get them from a easy, quick, rip the Band-Aid off and keep on rolling transition from Marcus Mariota where that made a lot of sense. And it worked out. It saved John Robinson a couple of years and it helped Mike Vrabel uh, maybe win the coach of the year this season. So Ryan Tannehill, there's no doubt that he's done great things for the Tennessee Titans. But now the expectations have changed. They have risen. The expectations are to be a Super Bowl contender not to just get in the playoffs and be happy that you're in the playoffs, but to win playoff games. And the fact is, they've lost three playoff games in a row. And a lot of them, the last couple, because Ryan Tannehill has ended those losses on a bad interception, right? So now let's ask this question. Because John Robinson, I'll read the quote again. To have a micro-evaluation over one game is not fair to any player. I think you have to look at the scope of the body of work and what he has done for this football team since he has been here. So let's just simply ask this question. It's pretty straightforward. Is Ryan Tannehill's body of work good enough or not good enough with the Tennessee Titans? Is it good enough or not good enough with the Tennessee Titans? So we'll get your answers here in a second. But first, let me tell you guys about the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever uh, you get hurt in life, make sure you know who to go to and you know who to trust, boneandjointtn.org. Again, they've got over a dozen doctors there at the facility uh, that does a great job of getting the help that you need and getting you back to healthy. Don't fumble in your recovery. Hit them up once again in Franklin or at any of their satellite campuses in Nolensville, Brentwood, or Thompson Station at boneandjointtn.org. Wow. Well, last night on BetMGM uh, was successful. Uh, went Eight and zero, including well, I guess it would be five. I guess it would be five and zero because I, I had a fourteen parlay hit. But that oh, fourteen good. parlay, I mean, I'm playing awesome. every every game. I feel like man. So, uh, BetMGM coming in hot. Thank you, my man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the reason why I had that ability last night to kind of, and I'm trying to save up that bank because I'm going to Key West here in a couple of months, and then. I got the Super Bowl. I got to find my Super Bowl bet, right? So BetMGM is going to help me do that by being able to place it on their app. Download the app today. Use the promo code ATOZSports. And the best part is 
for brand new users, you get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 by using that promo code ATOZ Sports. They'll hook you up right there at BetMGM. All right, so uh, yeah, I have lost seven bets in a row, Zach, so I could have used um, uh, a little help last night. I Brian, mean, what do you – you can't expect me to just no, send you all I, no, my no. picks. It's, it's so, so uh, yeah, I listened to A to Z Sports picks yesterday. Brian Edwards gave out four college basketball picks. He went three and one last night, but I only bet on the one that lost. Michigan State minus three and a half at Maryland. They only win by two. What a freaking joke. <laughs> anyway, so let's get to the uh, the comments because we're asking the question – is Ryan Tannehill's body of work for the Titans good enough or not good enough? Because John Robinson said it's unfair to microevaluate uh, Ryan Tannehill or any player on one game. So Big Drips on YouTube says good enough. Orlando says good enough. Noah says good enough. Chef uh, Byhardee just says nah. Uh, Steven, not good enough. BMO, not good enough to win a Super Bowl. Uh, so again, like the expectations have absolutely changed there. Eric says not. Big Meech says good enough 100%. D says regular season, yes. Postseason, no. So we're just going to land on the no there from D. Aaron says not. Curtis says not. Mr. Clean says not because he's terrible without Henry. I don't think he's terrible without Henry uh, because he's been terrible in the playoffs with Derrick Henry. I mean, he had a winning record without Henry, right? Yeah, they went 6-3 and three without Derrick Henry. <laughs> and, all, and, you know, they only lost the games where they didn't have AJ and Julio, right? Like, they lost to the to the uh, Texans when AJ got hurt early. They lost to the Steelers when Julio got hurt early and they lost to the Patriots and they didn't have any of either of them. <laughs> so there's your three losses without Derrick Henry, without those weapons there. So uh, Zach, a lot of the comments are actually more split than I thought. I thought we'd get more no's than yeses. I still think we are more no's than yeses, but there's more good enoughs than I expected. Well, I think that it's good enough for John Robinson, right? I think for John Robinson and we have to, just like we talked about Eddie George this week of having a relationship with a guy, it changes your, it changes your mind. And we'll talk about relationships and and views a little bit later on. Right. And how the impact of that happens when it comes to, to, you know, continuing an employment or employing somebody. And look, Ryan Tannehill is employed by the Tennessee Titans to do a job. And, you know, I think that their general manager head coach feels that Ryan Tannehill is good enough to do that job. I personally think that he is not good enough. I think because you, and you said this, the expectations have risen, correct? We're talking about about his body of work. Is his body of work good enough, not him moving forward? The body of work that we've seen for the last two and a half seasons and in the playoffs the last three years, right? In regular season, yes. In the playoffs, no. And what matters? It's weighted. And that's why I said, I was I blame Ryan Tannehill for the loss in the best situation the Titans have had since 2008 against the Cincinnati Bengals. That was Ryan Tannehill's fault that they lost the game. Three interceptions, the most important, impactful interception coming at the end of the game to give Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase the opportunity to get in field goal range. They did. They lost the football game. That was his mistake. You can't make mental or physical errors. Look at Jimmy G. Jimmy G's the same way. Notorious. Now, Brian Tannehill is not notorious for making those type of mistakes. But honestly, over the last couple of years, the last three playoff games, Ryan Tannehill has been notorious of not playing very well. And that's just the facts. That's not a good look, whether it was worse KC, whether it was 
uh, versus Baltimore last I, year in the wild card I think, game. I think the Kansas City game and the AFC title game, we kind of have to put in its own separate category because the team as a whole got punked in that game. The defense got punked by Mahomes in the second quarter after they got a 10 nothing lead. I think they were up the, 10 nothing. No, I, I know that. I think the Kansas City defense really did shut because the, the Titans got the 10 nothing lead mostly by throwing the ball down the field to A.J. Brown, and then Dennis Kelly caught the touchdown pass uh, in that game as well. And then Kansas City's defense really stepped up, and Ryan Tannehill could not keep up with Mahomes in the second that's, half. That's so, the point. You can't no, but I, keep I think up. It was a, the, the Kansas City loss is a full-team loss, where I think you look at Baltimore loss and the loss of the Bengals, the defense played good enough to win those playoff games. Derrick Henry got slowed down and stopped against Baltimore, slowed down against Kansas City, and Tannehill could not overcome things. And right? Tannehill had better weapons in the last two games. That's why it's not good enough. He has not played good enough in the most important, crucial games, in my opinion. His body of work overall has been good, but what are you trying to do? You're trying to be great. You're right. trying, and, and if Ryan Tannehill would have gotten them to a Super Bowl, I think we're having just gotten them. And I look, I stand pat of you're trying to win the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is trying to win. Matthew Stafford is trying to change his legacy and win the Super Bowl. Ryan Tannehill, the last two seasons, all right, let's pick those out. He's had the opportunity to change the narrative of what kind of quarterback Ryan Tannehill is. I think his struggles in Miami kind of set him back in the eyes of a lot of NFL fans saying, wow, he's not that great. He is not an NFL caliber starting quarterback. I think what he has proven is that he is a NFL quality starting quarterback, but maybe not for a championship caliber team. Well, and like we, like we keep bringing up over the last week or so that we think there's seven teams who can say, yeah, my guy can win us a Super Bowl. And the Island, the Titans are one of those teams right now. But the Titans have the roster and have yeah, the expectation to do that. Yeah. So, so, it, so no, like overall body of work. Yes, we're looking at singular games, and, and John Robinson said we you don't want to micro evaluate, but we need to micro evaluate playoff games. Sure, yeah, yeah, and when we and now we have three playoff losses to evaluate. We're not, we're not, nobody is, and that's that was my issue with John Robinson's comment is because he is saying it's unfair to microevaluate one player off of one game. That is true, but that's not what everybody's doing. Nobody's microevaluating Ryan Tannehill on the one bad game against the Bengals. You're adding on the 14 interceptions in the regular season. You're adding on the turnovers earlier in the year. You're adding on how he impacted the team negatively in the loss of the Ravens in the playoffs the year before. You're adding on to him really not having uh, much playoff success uh, and you know, against the, the Chiefs, too. We're all lumping all this together. Nobody's micro-evaluating Ryan Tannehill based on losing to the Bengals. It's a part of the bigger picture of him having a lower ceiling than what the franchise wants to be. And so I want to read some comments here, too. John says, Josh Allen hasn't made it to the Super Bowl, but you wouldn't say he needs to go in, uh, needs to go in Buffalo and say he's not good enough. Well, Josh Allen's not the reason why the Bills lost that game. Josh Allen's the reason why that game was an instant classic. Josh Allen... Played his 20, ass off. Josh Allen is 25 years old, too. And Josh Allen went full Vince Young Rose Bowl mode in that game and ran the ball, threw the ball for touchdowns. He had Gabriel Davis, who you've never heard of before that game, catch four touchdown passes. I had a, I had an overprop that hit on that game. 
I'm for sure. Gabriel Davis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was great. Everybody knows who Gabriel Davis is now. Uh, and so Dom says either J-Rob is satisfied or he's just trying to say the correct thing. He's definitely not satisfied because in the Jim White article, uh, and you'll hear with Buck later on today, John Robinson was definitely frustrated and upset and not okay with how the season ended. But yes, of course, he's going to say the correct thing about his quarterback. And Sheila says, uh, Titans can go 14-3 and next season and get the number one seed, but the media will still say but in the playoffs about Ryan Tannehill. And not just the media. I talked about this yesterday. About Ryan Tannehill, too. That it, the, the Titans fan base and the national media next season will all be about Ryan Tannehill and waiting and seeing. And about the Tennessee Titans, it'll be a wait and see. Because, sure, they've won 23 uh, games in the regular season the last two years. But they've got zero playoff wins to show for those 23 regular season wins. So it's always going to be a wait and see for this upcoming year. And I think for John Robinson, it's going to be a big evaluation off of 2022's football season for what the future might be for Ryan Tannehill. He's not going anywhere. He's the quarterback. John Robinson said it. He's the quarterback moving forward. They're not going to trade him. They're not going to cut him for this upcoming season. Right. Well, and I'll double down on that. I think his statement after I read that yesterday uh, through through the quotes, I think that solidified that they won't. They're going with the plan that is the out of the contract is not this year. Right. So they are not willing to do what I think I would do and figure out a way to go get an elite quarterback. And this is why I was so adamant about this, Austin. Not many years are there two elite quarterbacks that are disgruntled in their situation that want to leave. You don't have that opportunity in free agency. Austin, we've seen this. This is what NFL football is today. Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year. Matthew Stafford is going to the Super Bowl this year. If you go and take the risk and chance and find that elite quarterback that can change your franchise, usually you get the results. And that, so that's why I'm so adamant. And the Titans haven't gotten the results with Ryan Tannehill. They just haven't. They've gotten regular season success. And you talk about the perception of what people think about the Tennessee Titans. They, people all around the country just know the Tennessee Titans as, oh, yeah, they're just not good enough to make it. They're just not good enough. They've never been to a Super Bowl in the last 20 years, and they're not consistent enough to being in the AFC Championship game each and every year competing. Yeah. They've been they've been in one in the last Here's, 20. The ironic thing is the Titans have been the number one seed in the AFC three times in the last 20 years, and they've gotten zero wins out of it. And I, I don't know this off the top of my head, but where are the Titans in the AFC pecking order of number one seeds in frequency in the last 20 years. I think that'd be a good stat to find out. Like obviously the Patriots probably been the one seed. For Patriots, like Broncos, Ravens, Colts. Steelers, Colts. Well, I mean, probably those... not the Broncos. Cause that was such a short time period for the, but, but yeah, but again, the Titans are third there. I think that are, are th- their third one seed and they've done nothing with it. That's the frustrating part because in all those games, massive turnovers have lost them that opportunity, whether it was, Blocked field goals in 2001, Chris Johnson and Algie Crumpler in 2008, and Ryan Tannehill's picks just 10 days ago. Because he felt he was the reason that they lost that game. And Todd Downing. Again, I, I will always say, I will always say, Todd Downing cannot be back. 
like this is the and and I've had people reach out to me and be like, do you think they're gonna fire Todd Downing after the Pro Bowl because the Titans coaching staff is coaching in the Pro Bowl for the AFC? Well, it didn't stop them from firing Jim Hazlitt. <laughs> it didn't yeah, but, stop them. But Jim has like position uh, coach. I, I think it's a fair. But but honestly, your buddies who are texting you. I think it's a fair question. It's not buddies. It's some of you guys are DMing me. <laughs> like, well, that. You said texting. So I, I I don't know. I don't know what kind of relationship. you. But, the weather radio but, won't shut up. But I, 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 I don't think that Todd Downing is completely secure. I, I, I would not be surprised if that happened after the Pro Bowl. Because, look, I talk to people that are in Las Vegas now. It is try to be uniform, right? They've taken Green Bay and the Titans have taken their coaching staff and they still have to coach another game. I don't know. That's a hard justification to not fire an offensive coordinator because he's got a coach in the Pro Bowl. But I do still think that there's an opportunity and a chance after that game is complete that they evaluate and say, maybe we need to move on. It, it, it needs to happen because I think Ryan Tannehill has a higher ceiling without Todd Downing than he went with Todd Downing. Now, what is that ceiling a Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh, and so, like, is the body work good enough for the Titans? I think the correct answer is no, not for where they want to go. It, it's, you know, it got them into it. And somebody commented earlier in the show, bridge quarterback. Ryan Tannehill might be the best bridge quarterback I've ever seen, if that's what he's labeled as. Because not many bridge quarterbacks – win the division twice in a row, and then go to the AFC or, or conference championship game uh, in another year, right? So that's a damn good bridge quarterback because Alex you know, Smith is uh, Alex Smith is the the that was a long bridge, him. man. That was a really long bridge. But he Alex had success. Smith. Look, he he was really really good in San Francisco too. You get he went to the NFC Championship game there. So like he has done that. Alex Smith is the rule of a guy who's good but not good enough. And it's and, unfortunate of the situation that happened to his leg, obviously. Yeah, sure. That's why I say Josh is absolutely right. You get the love of the show. Alex Smith is Ryan Tannehill. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. We'll That's, what the is. In a second. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. Everything that Ryan Tannehill has shown us tells us that he's Alex Smith. And Alex Smith is good but not good enough. And if the Titans are okay with that, then they'll be winning a division, getting into the playoffs, and possibly trying to win a playoff game, maybe over the next couple of years. But there is no that there is not that solidifying confidence that the Tennessee Titans can go to the Super Bowl. Now, if you put Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson on that team, the Tennessee Titans' perception is completely different. It has changed in the blink of an eye. And everybody's like, whoa, the big teams in the AFC, you got the Chiefs, you got the Bills, you got the Bengals, and you got the Titans now that they have an elite quarterback. But until they have that and until they they change their franchise narrative, they're going to be the same old Titans. Can't do it. Oh, man. like This coming from Butchie makes me just realize how quickly people get spoiled. Because Butchie's calling – Ryan Tannehill, raggedy ass bridge, dude. What I mean, how? When did you did you come become a Titans fan in 2019 in like October of 2019? Because if you think that's a raggedy ass bridge, then you must be new to this team because they've been going through a lot of dumps uh, for for a long time with quarterbacks. And to, to say that Ryan Tannehill has been a raggedy ass bridge is so damn disrespectful to what he has been able to do for this franchise, for this city, and to take this team to even have the opportunity to have a home playoff game. Because Butchie, 
They didn't have a home playoff game in over 10 years until Ryan Tannehill gave you two in back-to-back years. So I mean, I, you got raggedy ass, raggedy is, ass not the, is not correct. That, I, I'm with you. I double down on that. That is the incorrect words to describe. Now, does but he have a does he have Austin, a lower ceiling than where you want to be because he's raised the bar? Like Ryan Tannehill is getting in his own way because Ryan Tannehill's regular seasons have raised his postseason bar that he can't live up to. That, that, that's his problem. That's nobody well, he else's paid problem. Paid million dollars for it, so good for him. That's that's Tannehill's problem. The problem with Tannehill sure. Bridge, it still doesn't get you to the other side. It doesn't get you where you want to go. It's still not complete. It still has a gap in between A and B. You want to talk about bridge analogies, that's the straight facts, homie, is you can't get to the other side because the other side is at least, at minimum, a Super Bowl appearance. That's the type of team that they have. They were the best team in the AFC. They had home field advantage throughout. They had the luxury of the first-round bye, and they did diddly-poo with it. That's on Ryan Tannehill playing a terrible game. We've seen some... We've seen the worst games of Tannehill this past season. And Austin, I'm going to tell you this. If they keep everybody, they keep Tannehill, they keep Downing, they keep the structure, they're Mm -hmm. going to justify them doing that based on the injuries that they accrued over the last season. That is the justification in their own minds. And they're going to say, well, God knows what we could do if we weren't hurt as much as we were because they were really hurt. Injuries will be the alibi. Sure. Uh, another comment from Josh, who who is our guy, talking about Ryan Tannehill's Alex Smith, and I agree with Josh. Josh is awesome. That's the that's why Alex Smith is Ryan Tannehill. Casey knew Alex Smith wasn't the guy. What they do? They drafted Mahomes. How'd they do it? The the Chiefs. I remember this vividly, super vividly. In 2017, the Chiefs had the 27th overall pick. They moved up to 12 to get Patrick Mahomes, and they did that, or maybe up to 10. They traded up 17 picks to go get Patrick Mahomes when they had Alex Smith, right when they made the playoffs the year before. Now, they did that because they trusted their scouting department. They trusted their offensive coaching staff and head coach, Andy Reid, who knows what he's doing offensively. And that's a move where if it didn't work out, all those guys have been fired. If if that did not work out, Andy Reid, the GM, the scouts that, that, that fell in love with Mahomes, if Mahomes did not turn into this, and they trade away a, a playoff team to get a quarterback who flopped, they're all out. And so that was a massive gamble, and it's paid off. Well, that's, that's how life works. Risk and reward, right? Yes. You got to take risk. You got to jump. And, and so my and, problem with the Titans comparison is they don't have Andy Reid. They don't have that offensive mind that, can, that knows what to do with that risk, with that QB. Who might? Because not everybody was sold on Patrick Mahomes. The one guy at the bar where we were doing our draft show when I went to Texas Tech, he was sold on Mahomes. But but nobody knows. Nobody knew Mahomes would be this. It was well, a risk. Well, and but they look, trusted. The Chiefs their have had the luxury. Staff. The Chiefs have had the luxury of Eric Bieniemy of being stable in the offense, right? Yes, and that usually doesn't happen. To. Yeah, which is that and, usually and, doesn't happen. Right, because if Eric Bieniemy was white, he would have been hired as a head coach three years ago. Uh, that's your own opinion. I don't know how Eric Bieniemy interviews, and we'll talk about that. I'm open to having that race conversation, but for you to have that blanket statement, well, I, I, I you don't know who's interviewing him. Like well, you don't know what he's saying in those interviews, and that's where I, I look. I don't mind transitioning into yeah, that that's, topic that's right exactly now. Why I brought it up. 
but I, I look uh, you we have to know the inner the inners of how things work and I think I, I don't mind peeling back the onion to talk about yeah. how interviews work do I think there's a problem yes I there is a problem but that is a pretty Bold blanket statement. Well, and I've you know every every offensive coordinator who's under the age of forty uh, that has a resume that that's like four years long gets a head coaching job. Matt Lafleur is a great example, right? Matt Lafleur didn't call plays with the L.A. Rams. He didn't call plays. Sean McVay did. He was the offensive coordinator for one year. Then he goes to the Tennessee Titans as the offensive coordinator. His only year of calling plays in the NFL at age thirty eight. Did the Titans have a great offense in 2018 with Matt LaFleur calling the plays? No. I mean, it was okay. It was kind of average. But what happened? He gets the head coaching job of the Packers. And look, it's turned out, but he's got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It's proven to be right. But you, <laughs> so but you all that other BS look, doesn't I'm matter. Not saying, I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but Eric Bieniemy has a better resume as an offensive coordinator and play caller than Matt LaFleur did. But What, what did do you Matt know LaFleur- about Eric Bieniemy? What huh? do you know about him? What, what, do, I, what, what tell, tell me his personality. Tell me how he speaks. Tell me how he carries a room. Can you? I, I know. I'm I know, asking. I'm asking. I, can yeah, you? I'll answer the question. Eric Bieniemy is beloved by that Chiefs offensive staff. They are the benefactors of him not getting a job somewhere else. Deshaun Watson wants Eric Bieniemy. He pound the table for Eric Bieniemy for what his offensive his offense could do for the Houston Texans and him as a quarterback. Off the field stuff with Watson is different story. But again. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is beloved by that Chiefs team. He has issues in his past. 20 plus years ago, Eric Bieniemy did some stupid, immature things when he was an assistant at Colorado in college. And so, and he is still having that held against him. 20 years later, when he is up and he has been up front in talking about that in the interview. But 20 years ago, it's being held against him, which is ridiculous because his resume as an offensive coordinator the last three-plus years in Kansas City is better than Nathaniel Hackett, who just got hired by the Denver Broncos. So, Austin, as you just stated, is that being held against him or is race being held against him? Uh, you see I what think, I'm saying? I because at the beginning of the conversation, you you blanket boldly stated that it was because of his race. But now you're telling me based on the circumstance right. that, that you just stated 20 years ago when he was assistant, that that's the reason why. Yes. So I, you I you think, don't make any – it doesn't make I, much sense. I think uh, I think it is being held against him, yes. And we'll talk about Brian Flores moving forward. Like, I don't know. I don't What's know being Eric held Bieniemy? against him? I think is his race. Is it his race? Is that the reason, or is it because of the circumstance and the incident that happened years ago? I think it's both his race and his 20 years ago situation. Yes, I do. I believe that. So Those are, right? And so, like, the the circumstance, and that's why this is a very important conversation as a whole. I think everybody would agree, or should agree, there is a problem in the NFL with lack of minority head coaches. I mean, statistics prove that, right? I don't think that that anybody can argue that there is not a problem. I think with anything, how do we solve the problem by understanding why there is a problem, right? And mm-hmm. I, I like blanket racism, I don't think is I, I don't I cannot just sit there and scream that. Do yeah. I think that there is racial bias? Yes, I yeah, do. There's systemic racism. What is that? Is that the the people in the highest heights of the NFL are white guys? And and we know that 
people tend to hire people and hang around people who look like them and act like them, who look and represent like them, right? And so white owners hire more white people, and that leads to one white or, or zero. I don't think there's a single minority general manager right now in the NFL. There's only one current uh, black head coach. There are three minority head coaches because Robert Sala is Lebanese and Ron Rivera is Native American. And then you have Mike Tomlin with the Steelers because Flores and David Culley just got fired uh, over this last cycle. So let's let's do this. I've got a video to play from Ian Rapport talking about the uh, about the lawsuit that Brian Flores is filing against the NFL. But Zach, real quick, tell us all about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Yeah, Farm Bureau Health Plans is where you need to go. I just got my quote yesterday, and you, you know what? It's lower than what I was paying before my previous health plan. Bingo. Bing bong right there. That's a winner. That is a winner. I cannot wait to officially sign up. I got to go through some paperwork. But besides that, it has been a very easy process. And I'm getting so much more benefit with this health plan than my previous one. Farm Bureau Health Plans. I Look, I this is real. This is real talk. I went through the process. They didn't do anything special for me. They interviewed me just like they do everybody else. Better coverage, better rates, better service. And that was proved to me up until this point of trying to get my quote. It has been great. FBHP.com slash A to Z. You can go online. You can set up a call or you can fill out the form online. I wanted to go through kind of the steps to experience exactly how Farm Bureau Health Plans work because I'll be endorsing them. Man, it was great. I emailed Rachel yesterday. Rachel emailed me right back. There's one thing I love, communication. One thing (laughs) I hate, not communication. Farm Bureau Health Plans, they are great communicators, and that's important when you're talking about your health. That's fbhp.com slash A to Z. All right, don't forget, download that BetMGM app. Use our code ATOZ Sports to get a risk-free bet up to uh, $1,000 after your first deposit with your first bet. Uh, that's BetMGM. Download the app today. Use again our code ATOZ Sports. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 or older, Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued on non withdrawable free bets for site credit. Free bets expire in seven days. And for problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Redline at 1 800 889 9789. So I will play you uh, the video from Ian Rappaport talking about. Uh, the lawsuit that Brian Flores has filed against the NFL and three of its teams, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants, for their hiring processes. But here is Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network yesterday. MJ, Brian Flores filing a class action lawsuit in Manhattan federal court today, alleging, among other things, racism and racial bias and discrimination in the NFL's hiring practices. Uh, goes through several uh, theories and uh, discussions about, about ways that it could be better. Talks about asking for transparency and pay, diversity uh, in uh, coordinator hires, and a variety of different ways that the NFL could be much better when it comes to the kind of hiring practices they have. Uh, Brian Flores also details uh, some other allegations against the Miami Dolphins, Giants, and, and other organizations about the Dolphins. He alleges an unauthorized meeting on a yacht where owner Stephen Ross attempted to recruit a quarterback who was with another team. I'm told that quarterback was Tom Brady uh, at the time, and Flores left the meeting and did not partake in it. That said, he was treated with disdain after that. Flores also alleged that Stephen Ross offered $100,000 for each loss as they tried to tank for the draft pick that ended up being 
Joe Burrow, the, the Miami Dolphins say the implication that they acted in a manner inconsistent with the integrity of the game is incorrect. Flores also uh, described his situation surrounding the New York Giants. Of course, he recently interviewed for the head coaching job there. Uh, he alleges that the decision was made before the interview process, having possession of a text message Bill Belichick mistakenly sent to him, uh, informing him that the Giants appeared to be set on Brian Dayball before the interview took place. The Giants said in their statement that they hired the most qualified candidate on and on, 58 pages. Brian Flores also released a statement saying, God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football. The need for change is bigger than my personal goals. So that was uh, Ian Rappaport yesterday, and there's a lot of stuff in there, especially with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins uh, and Ross is paying or offered $100,000 per loss. Uh, The Tom Brady tampering situation that Brian Flores was in uh, as well. And then the Broncos uh, situation was back before he was hired as the Dolphins Head coach Brian Flores interviewed with the Broncos and former GM John Elway, where uh, Flores is alleging that the Broncos GM and rest of the executive interviewing staff showed up late and hung over from the night before and did not take that interview seriously. And the timeline with the Giants is what is, is what the problem was, alleging that the Rooney rule, he was just being used to check a box of, uh, of the Rooney rule and not actually considered a candidate for the head coaching job. Look, I think Brian Flores didn't need to be fired from the Dolphins. He had the back-to-back winning season for the Dolphins for the first time since 03. But obviously what was going on with Ross and Flores behind the scenes was an issue with the friction there. And then Brian Dayball is going to be is a good offensive coordinator, deserved a job. So that's I don't think the Giants hiring Brian Dayball is the problem here, but it's the uh, process of how it went along is what, Flores is saying. So, Zach, how do you feel about this overall? Well, I think you have to understand in, in today's news cycle, when things leak, it's like it's the truth. These are accusations, right? So there are two sides to the story, and Brian Flores is going to have to prove these accusations. He's going to have to have proof that he was bribed $100,000 per loss. He's going to have to have proof that what was discussed on that yacht was actually discussed. He's going to have to have proof that Bill Belichick actually was the person that sent those text messages that have been leaked to the public. He has to have all of that for this. And you know, you would think he wouldn't file a lawsuit yeah. if he didn't. Yeah. Right. But- 50 plus pages of lawsuit. And what I think is the thing is that he is sacrificing himself. Like I, Brian, Brian Flores is saying that this, yeah, he understands that this, impacts his future to coach the game that he loves and it you know it, it, he's him filing this lawsuit changed everything for him and i i think that he wouldn't do this if he didn't have something that would just be such a risk but there, there are a lot of accusations sure and, and there are. Say, something and everything is different austin yeah, look, and, and i think and, yeah, like right. if, and, if one of these come out to not be true then the story changes right no if doubt. he doesn't have no proof doubt. For the hundred thousand uh, dollar bribe, then it changes, right? Now you're sitting here accusing uh, a billionaire essentially of something that ha- that can't be proven, right? So no doubt, it is a it's a massive risk. I don't doubt that. Here's my whole thing on the problem that the NFL has regarding race and their head coaching positions, positions of power, right? Head coaches, and we talked about this with Eric Bieniemy. I think for owners, which uh, 
all white, right? I mean, that is what the that is yep. what the National Football League is all with 32. their ownership. Well, thirty one minus the Packers, oh, right? Minus the Packers, so thirty one. I think when you go in, and I try, and it's hard because uh, they're running a billion dollar business, right? I try to dumb this down as you know when we interview people for A to Z Sports, and our hiring process is. We're just trying to find the best candidate. I don't care whether you're male or female, or I don't care whether you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're Egyptian. I don't care. I want to find the best candidate. What the NFL is trying to do with the Rooney Rule is just open the eyes to these owners of maybe interviewing minority candidates that they wouldn't already. What I think I found in my life is sometimes I talk to to people and they surprise me and they say, wow, this guy, maybe all of a sudden just jumped a, a previous guy before I talked to him, right? I think that has happened before. I've come back and I've interviewed and I told Austin, man, this guy, I really like him. These are his, his good qualities. I think this is where he probably has to work on, but I think he's a good quality candidate, regardless of race or gender, right? I think the issue is ultimately the owner of a company has the final say in who they are going to hire. It is an opinionated. It is opinion. If they believe one person is a better candidate, you cannot justify to say, well, you're forced to hire this person instead of this person because we want to end racism. That's not how it works. The power will always be with the owner. And the owner has final say on who works for and with and around their company. I think the NFL needs to continue to chop away and put more minority candidates in the seat across to interview. But you cannot change the way that owners actually hire. You can't force them to hire somebody they don't want to hire. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And the problem is the Rooney rule was a good idea. It was, but it's not being used. It's right now owners, and I'm not saying every owner is doing this, but what we have heard in the past is that there is the Rooney rule box checker, that there is a, a minority candidate that will get an interview to simply check that box off so they can hire whoever they wanted to hire. That is the problem that they are not going by the intention of the Rooney rule, which is to try to elevate minority candidates for other jobs. I think the bigger problem here is, yes, there are only three minority head coaches, Mike Tomlin being the only black head coach, and that like north of 70% of the NFL players are black. So the odds and the percentages obviously don't add up there. But I think the reason why there are – it's because you got to start the coordinators side of things. Because what if, what's the trend, Zach? The trend is – Young offensive coordinator with a flashy set of offensive weapons can climb the ranks super fast. We've seen that all over the place. And a lot of them has come from the Shanahan's, right? And so McVay, uh, LaFleur, and there's a couple other Shanahan prodigies as well. Uh, Kyle Shanahan himself have been able to climb the ranks that quickly. Nathaniel Hackett is now a branch off of that point. Arthur Smith, young offensive guy, had success. He gets so, but there's not a lot of black coordinators. And I think. I think black coordinators, as Byron Leftwich is a good example. Byron Leftwich, NFL player, has Zach Taylor, thank you, Drell. Uh, but Byron Leftwich, a, a, a former player, now with a coordinator, has an opportunity to get a head coaching job. 
But if let's use the, the Titans as an example. The Titans have been in the state of Tennessee for 25 seasons. Memphis, Vanderbilt, Nissan Stadium, they've been there, played 25 seasons as uh, the Tennessee Oilers Titans. So in those 25 seasons, there have been a total of 18 coordinators. There are 10 offensive coordinators and eight defensive coordinators in 25 years. Only four minorities have held a coordinator position with the Tennessee Titans. Two offensive coordinators, two defensive coordinators. Now, Norm Chow was the OC for three years, and Terry Robisky was the OC for two years. Then on the defensive side of the ball, Jerry Gray was the defensive coordinator for two years, and Ray Horton was one and done as Ken Wisenhunt's staff got fired as well. So you look at that, there's five season, uh, set eight seasons of coordinators, uh, minority coordinators for the Titans out of 50 opportunities. And so that just shows you that there's a lack of coordinators. That's why there's a lack of head coaches. And so the, the Rooney rule needs to be expanded down to the coordinator position in order for them to work their way up, just like white guys have been working their way up for generations. Well, and you brought up coaching trees, and there are white coaching trees and there are black coaching trees, right? Look at Tony Dungy's, Mike Tomlin. You had Lovey Smith, Herm Edwards, uh, Jim Caldwell, like all of those. Marvin Lewis, right? Yeah, stem from the Tony Dungy coaching tree, right? You mentioned the Mike Shanahan coaching tree and what it is. And so, look, I don't disagree with you. I I do think that – Owners need to understand why the Rooney rule is in place, right? That needs to really be emphasized. I don't think anybody is forcing owners to hire a certain person just because of their race, right? No. That's not what you want. You don't want owners to be forced to hire a black black candidate just because they're black that goes against everything of what they're trying to change and i and i and i don't know this and so i would ask some of you guys who are watching today you know you don't want to be hired because of your race you want to be hired because of your ability to do the job and you want to be hired and this is the most important thing this is what the change needs to happen you want to be hired because your employer wants you yes You are the guy. They want zero doubt in their mind that they, look, winning, losses, management, all that stuff comes with it. But really for somebody to thrive, to give the full amount of confidence, they need the owner to say, we want you. We don't want anybody else. You are our guy. And I think what we've found is that that just has happened with white owners and white head coaches more often. Now we've got to solve the puzzle to find out, to put minority candidates in the seat to interview with owners so the owner has more opportunity to feel this is the guy. Mm-hmm. We don't want forced. You Forced love doesn't work. Arranged marriages don't work. They, ended up, they usually end up poorly, right? Especially in a billion-dollar business. So, That is the, we have to fix the overall problem and not just say, well, it's racism. It's racism. We need to to look at and find the solution. There are definitely racist ties to the actions 
that have been made, right? I don't think anybody, based on the statistics and all the things that you've said and what we've named based on general managers and head coaches, but just screaming racism is not going to fix the problem. Well, and I think well, you've got to find, and you brought up a good point, Austin, w- implement the Rooney rule in the coordinators, or maybe even start it from the back half. Instead of the trickle down, maybe the trickle up and do it for assistance, right? Lower yeah. guys so they can climb up. Sure. And I think that's, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of black coaches that uh, position coaches, right? The position coaches are like the most diverse coaching group because you just have like 12 of them on a staff, right? So there's just more opportunities to have position coaches and assistant position coaches. But yeah, you've got to work your way up to coordinators before you get to head coach. But let's think about this too, because you know, Brian Flores, I I think is a good head coach. He did something with the dolphins that nobody could, could do for 15 plus years. So he got fired because of, relationships with the owners uh, in Miami. He deserves another shot. The problem is he's a defensive guy. Uh, And D'Amico Ryans, who is a first-year defensive coordinator with the 49ers, former Texans linebacker, Alabama linebacker, is a rising star as a defensive coordinator. The problem is defensive coordinator. Uh, Who's hiring a defensive coordinator down the road? I think you've got Gerard Mayo, same type of situation up up in New England defensive guy right so Eric Bieniemy is the key to this because if guys like Nathaniel Hackett are getting jobs and these and you know and Nick Sirianni gets a job in and with Philadelphia then why can't Eric Bieniemy get hit maybe but Austin I always have brought this up and we bring this up every year I don't know Eric Bieniemy personally but we've talked about maybe some of the things that have uh, made it more difficult for him to get head of coaching job based on a circumstance that happened a long, long time ago. That factors into it, right? Because you have it is a torchbearer of your billion dollar business. You have to get it right, and it with great responsibility too. And if if an owner feels that one man is not adequate enough to be a head coach, you can't hire him. And right. it seems like with all the interviews that Eric Bieniemy has had, multiple owners have felt that. I don't think every all thirty-one owners are racist. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that is the percentage. I think there is a percentage of those it's thirty-one just, that yeah. prefer white head coaches to black head coaches, which is not good. So we need to change that. It, but Eric Bieniemy is always the example. But we don't know the ins and outs of Eric Bieniemy's right, well, and, and, interviews. And ben Ben is saying, Austin, you're doing the thing again where you ignore the past after saying he has one. Yeah, 20 years ago. Like again, like that's like nobody should be held accountable for mistakes they made 20 plus years ago if they have gotten away from that and imp- and changed. Like Eric Bieniemy, if he was still making the that's mistakes, a personal opinion based on somebody that's not an owner of a franchise, right? It's the guy, their. They have the choice, man. Zach, he's he's been a legitimate offensive coordinator for four years for the Chiefs, putting up crazy numbers, and and he's and you're still saying he can't be the head coach. You can't get mad at years ago. You're trying to put yourself in a position of ownership to hire somebody that is basically your CEO, essentially. That's your head coach, the face of your franchise. And if you don't feel that this is the guy, you can't hire him. You don't know enough about uh, Eric Bieniemy and how he interviews and all that other. R. R. Franklin says, then explain Urban Meyer, right? Because Urban Meyer's got all types of skeletons, right? But he keeps getting jobs. I don't know if he's going to get a job anytime well, soon. No, he won't get another job in the NFL, but that was based on his head coaching resume. 
Eric Bieniemy does not have a head coaching resume. That I understand right? that but you don't a, because you're but, not bringing Zach, that up. He has he has a better resume than Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. A better resume than uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who just got the job. He had a better resume than Matt Lafleur at the time he got hired as a head coach. He's got a better resume than Brandon Staley with the Chargers. He's got a, look and all these guys in the new. They might be great head coaches. I don't know. Like, and I'm not saying that those guys don't deserve shots as a head coach. I'm just saying Eric Bieniemy has what those guys have, if not a better resume than those guys, and has not gotten a chance. Now, part of it is because the Chiefs keep playing the damn Super Bowl, and everybody's making hires before that. But they have tried to appease that as well. And so it is a it is a tough situation. But Eric Bieniemy is a unfortunately the example. Of, of how does the interview? Right? That's the, my biggest question. Because Austin, we've interviewed hundreds of people in the last couple of years. Some of those guys may be a hidden Eric Bieniemy, but you know when I ask him a bunch of questions and we get off that Zoom, what do I look at you? And I say, that ain't Not it. Yeah. And so if that has happened, I would just have to ask that. I think, look, there's a problem. We all recognize that it needs to be fixed. I think. The most important thing is the Rooney rule needs to be taken more seriously by the owners. That's Roger Goodell is the commissioner. He needs to literally have sit down meetings with these owners and say, look, we're not forcing you to hire coaches because of their ethnicity. We are forcing you to take a look at more and open your mind to different candidates. That's what the rule is. So please take that into consideration. This is the last thing I'll say, Austin. Okay. What is the best way to find a job? To go out and find a job, what would you, how would you suggest somebody approach that? Uh, it's, uh, knock on doors, call people, just attack, 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 right? In other words, and you got to it, network, right? Yes. Go and network because networking builds relationships. Relationships then build opportunity, right? You're more likely to go buy a, a, a buddy a beer than some random guy off the street, right? In this situation, the network of owners, I think, stems down from Caucasian coaches yeah it, that's, and it's exactly and that what, is a problem well, that is a so that's what the rooney rule is trying to do is open and network for minority coaches a, to to break the shell because there's an owner's shell nfl owners have blinders on they're rich right to open up their minds which i do think is important that needs to happen you just gotta how do you make the so here's my last question how do you make these nfl owners take the Rooney rule seriously the way that the Rooney rule was supposed to be done well that's hard for me to answer because I have not been involved in any of that but again I think like how do you do that it's I I don't even know I mean because you can't just tell them because they haven't done that but Adam brings up what you're talking about it's a continuation of the good old boys club right we know this and and Mike Vrabel hires guy that he's worked with in the past now Black, well, Tony white, Dungy did the same thing. Like it's 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 it is a human characteristic, not a racial characteristic. All right. Yes, yes, yes. And so again, that's the systemic part of it is that it's the good old boys network, and we've seen we see this all the time is that coaches just keep getting recycled, 
and you've got a, a washed up coach. He gets fired from a job. He gets a coordinator job, and now he's back in the uh, mix for another head coaching job. And it's just recycling all over again because it's the network of comfortability. And so these guys want to hire people they're comfortable with and people they don't know they're not as comfortable with. So how do you infiltrate that cycle? I have no idea. It's a huge question that we can't well, and, answer right now. Well, and Orlando says somebody's got to be the example. And I think Brian Flores has, I mean, he has put his neck out and said, look, I'm willing to possibly sacrifice my future co- coaching opportunities because I have seen the problems within through the processes. Here's the overall problem, Austin. Yeah. There is very little to no turnover of NFL owners. That thing gets handed down within their family, okay? There's only 31 opportunities, as we said, because the Packers are publicly owned. Bud Adams handed it down to his family, right? And so if they're all white... It's not possibly, probably going to change anytime soon. Probably not in our lifetimes well, as far as minority owners. Maybe well, the Broncos are for sale. Four. The, yeah. the Broncos are for sale. So here's but, an opportunity. There's an opportunity for a group to come in and do something. And right. It, it, that's about bidding price. So if you have a minority, uh, a, a possible minority owner coming in to try to buy them, but then you also then you have a white here's, guy who's a multi-billionaire that doesn't care. Here's you, the here's the problem because because white money is generational, right? And let's just be real here: white money is generational. History, yes. Black money is not. Like I I know friends who don't have inheritance from their family because their grandparents were broke as hell growing up through the civil rights movement, right? So white money is generational. White people can go buy franchises like that as a group. It's now, now that the fact that we, over the last, I don't know, 40 years maybe, that you have black people making this type of money that have the opportunity to do that. It's just, it, that's, the, that's the reason. And that's the whole systemic part of it. That's well, the whole system. Right. And that's where the NFL has to analyze how the if there is a sell of a franchise how they're going to go about that you know we've seen lebron james we've seen drake we've seen some of these other you know public figures that have made millions upon millions and millions of dollars that now have the opportunity jay-z to be minority owners within that company right so it's going to take time i think I don't think it's bad to talk about. And I think for us, you know, we have, we are two white individuals trying to talk about race and we do not fully are, understand or both, comprehend. We are both very privileged, right? We both understand that we grew up in a very comfortable situation and not yes. everybody like that. But it doesn't mean that we're not educated on the history of what is going on in our world today and how it needs to be changed. Cause it does. The first thing that was stated on this topic was there's a problem. The problem is, is that there's not enough diversity within the NFL power structure. There's a lot of diversity when it comes to players and assistant coaches. We talked about because that. Because that's based off performance. And if you're the best to do the job and you can actually put a tangible effort on that performance, then you go make the money as the player. And so we just need for people of power to take a longer look and open their eyes more to the performance of minority candidates. And, but that is something is an opinion, right? That's the owner's opinion. 
And so this is a tough, I mean, it's a tough cookie to crack. I, I don't I don't think there are just easy answers. But, I do think the Rooney rule, as you've kind of sta- stated, maybe needs to go into effect for offensive and defensive coordinators. Maybe that helps. But here's the thing. You don't want to make a rule a burden, right? right? And you want to make a rule a reason. Right, and, and there is a reason for it. It's just how you perceive it. And I think a lot of people in the powers that we're talking about with the NFL perceive the Rooney Rule as a burden box they have to check. And here's another extension of the Rooney Rule that I think needs to happen is because we haven't, we've talked a lot about head coaches right now, not a lot about general managers or other executives. Now, that's where you can start having it be the equal opportunity hiring process of scouts, assistant scouts, marketing it throughout the organization. So now you get people like Roger Goodell who started as what didn't he work in like the NFL mailroom as an intern. And then he just worked his way all the way up. But if you get people who can get as an entry level job into an NFL franchise and work their way through and get promoted and jump from team to team as they grow now that maybe you have more minorities in executive level positions over time, but it is a long time process. Well, and, and there's unfortunately- more that's happening more often. You just named all of those coaching candidates. Now, a lot of them were defensive minded individuals of minority. The Bears just hired a minority general manager. Like it is, right. it, it, who's a former player, former players starting to get into that industry because they're just more minority players in 2022 than there was in 1952, right? Mm-hmm. So it just takes time. And here's the problem with our society. We want it now. And it's just, we can't, you cannot have that. It's going to take a period of five to 10 to 15 to 20 years. I do believe, and I do believe in my heart that in 20 years, this will be less of a problem than it is today because of what you just talked about, but it's not going to happen overnight. And Austin, the last thing I'll say is you cannot force anybody to do anything. If you force them to do something, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to want to do it. And then they're not going to do it again. So forcing is never the, 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 the way to go about it. You have to solve the problem the right way and explain Again, there's a reason for this. That's where I think change will happen. Yeah, and and again, because you don't want to turn off the people from doing the right thing. Yeah, and you're never going to be able, as as Paulie say, you'll never be able to tell a man how to run his business that he owns. Nobody's going to come in and put a gun to my head and say, this is how A to Z sports needs to be run no matter what. But I am open-minded enough to have some ideas. This is what needs to happen. That just needs, and it's just more complicated because you're talking about billion dollar businesses. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about mom and pops or small businesses or small companies. We're talking about the most, the well, the, the pop, most popular sport in America and will be for another 45 years, right, Austin? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, because soccer will not be. I tried to get you there. Uh, I wasn't really that's so paying attention <laughs> that close. You know, somebody asked, like, you know, what's the diversity in A to Z sports in the company that we own? We've got we got some diversity in our investment group that we added uh, this past summer, and I counted up, you know, seven of twenty nine employees are are minority. So, you know, it's and how many times have we been like, man, we need to hire somebody who's a minority? Zero times. It just happened. 
Oh no, every and I and and Austin, you have been in interviews when I have talked to people. I do not care if you are black, white, Chinese, Asian. I don't care. I I and I tell them that. I tell the white individuals that we interview, I tell the black individuals that we interview. And I'm very open and honest. That is something that I am as a being. I will tell you like it is. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And in those interviews, I do make that very, very clear. We are going to hire you based on your efforts and your ability to improve our company, not because of what you look like mm-hmm. or or anything of that nature. So we're I'm I don't mind talking about that because that's how our company will always be run. And here's something that really upsets me as the media goes. I don't believe that some of the uh, bigger media companies run their business like that. I think that they try to lean into certain things and say, oh, well, we have to have a female sideline reporter that is attractive, regardless of if she's really, really good or not. I think that happens more often. And so I think it's kind of funny where the big overarching media companies sit there and yap, 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 but internally they're doing some of the similar things. That is not how our company will be run. Our company, A to Z Sports, will be run based on potential performance. That's how it should be. Because your potential performance, if it is excels, it shouldn't matter if you're a male or female or anything. So uh, that is that is honesty and open of what A to Z Sports is and what will continue to be as we grow. Because mm-hmm. we're not getting any smaller, folks. And if you are from another city or another country, uh, we're coming your way, baby. <laughs> we're coming. Yep, we sure are. All right, A to Z Sports, let's flip over to our end of show topic that's throwing shade. There's been a lot of shade thrown over the last few minutes here, but throwing shade that we wrap up every Wednesday with. But real quick, let me tell you guys about Renters Warehouse and RentersWarehouse.com. They're the professional landlords in the area. Simply go to RentersWarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. There's a bunch of different ways that you can use Renters Warehouse to your benefit by owning a property and renting it out. They do all the work. You just get the money. It helps you with long-term equity, long-term wealth, and get retirement plan ready. So hit them up at RentersWarehouse.com. A to Z Sports, download the BetMGM app, code ATOZ Sports. New users, risk-free bet up to $1,000, up to $1,000. BetMGM, download the app today for Apple and Android. Before we move on to our shade, because I do think we're going to have a good segment, I do want to recognize and appreciate Harold for saying, thank you, Austin and Zach. You all did this in a professional manager or manner. Uh, I will say this. Talking about things like this is not easy for two white individuals. It's not because we don't know fully uh, of racism and all of the things that come along with it. But we try our best to have an open mind and just be open and honest and let people speak their mind reasonably through the chat. So, Harold, that actually that we Austin and I do appreciate you recognizing that. Uh, we're just trying to have a conversation on the internet, which is one of the hardest things to do in life yeah, and, is and, to have a conversation on the yeah, end. And uh, Ronald says the same type of thing uh, as well. So I think I mean, I've seen a bunch of comments that uh, were appreciative of that. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, Brian Flores probably not going to be a head coach again. You know, like, again, like he's literally sacrificed himself uh, for this situation. But maybe he does get another opportunity and thrives. I mean, I wish him the best. I, I hope that this is not a deterrent, but, 
you know, based on the lawsuit, it's going to be a while before he gets another opportunity. The, the fact that he uh, went back-to-back winning seasons with the Miami Dolphins tells me that he can coach football. So that's, right. that's what should matter. All right, let's get to throwing shade, Zach. <laughs> I'm laughing at Sheila John's uh, shade uh, real quick. But, Zach, you said you have a shade update, and then you have shade, and we'll get some of your shade as well. So what is your shade update that you have and then we'll read some others so i have good shade update all right long story short last week or i guess it was two weeks ago because i was out of town uh i parked i went to a sandwich shop i had ordered my sandwich i parked with my car running with my dog young tuxedo he's half boston terrier half kind of whatever you want him to be uh right there i was gonna run in the sandwich shop grab my sandwich get back in my car and leave. It was about three minutes. There was still a line. So I checked back out. And what do you know? A tow truck is towing my car and my dog with it running away. Uh, I sprint and I basically told the guy to get the F out of the car. We need to have some words. We argued back and forth, but he, he kind of had me by the, you know, what's because he's like, I'm not dropping your, your car until you pay me my money cash. And I was like, I mean, I, it was a tough situation. So he was either going to threaten to drive off with my dog or I had to pay him the money. So I was like, well, I'm not going to let you take my dog. So I went into the, the gas station and got the money. I paid that SOB and I said, this is not the last time you'll hear from me. So what I go, I talked to the manager. I talked to the owner and I said, I need a refund. I go, I'd really like to have five minutes in a room with that trucker, but I'm not going to ask for that. I'm just going to ask for my money back as $175 cash. I got a call and I, they said, we're going to refund you your money. And so I drove there yesterday or the day before, whatever it was. And I, they paid me cash. They even were going to pay me $180. And I said, look, I'm not trying to make money off of you. <laughs> Here's I go, an extra five dollars for your. And so I, and I, yeah, and I gave because they had all twenties. So I gave them five dollars back. I said, "Look, my intention, my intention is principle based, and that is, if you know anything about me, it is based on the principle. And I will go to the ends of the earth to make sure that that happens. So I did not disclose this personal, this particular trucking tow tow truck company. I will keep that to myself because." They made amends and admitted their wrongdoing. But watch out, people. Don't yeah. leave your dogs in your car. They'll get snatched up. Yeah. Uh, Louis says, free tuxedo. Tuxedo has been freed. Uh, tow dog. <laughs> Tux got kidnapped. Because dog nap is a different thing. Dog nap is a good thing. Kidnap is a bad thing. All right. So uh, more shade here on the show. Uh, I saw a couple. Uh, Sheila John's shade made me laugh. I shaded my neighbor's dog pooped in the yard and pick it up. Plus he's got, he's a Browns fan. Uh, and then somebody else threw shade. Bobby says shade on people who don't pick up their dog crap. And then he gets buried under inches of snow for him to find on the shoe. Yeah. I, I can't stand people who don't pick up their dog's poop. When you go walking, that makes no sense to me. My shade is actually along with a bunch of other people's shade. It's groundhog day. And punks, Donnie Phil saw his shadow which means we have six more weeks of winter. I My shade is not that we have more winter. My shade is that I truly don't understand Groundhog's Day. Like, does it actually mean anything? 
Like, why does he see a shadow and what makes him see a shadow and what's behind it that shadow, yes, means more winter. No shadow means early spring. I don't understand Groundhog's Day. And everybody talks about Groundhog's Day and the Groundhog and the Punk's Tiny Phil and all this stuff. That's great life up there in Pennsylvania. But Groundhog's Day makes no sense for me, to me. That's my shade. It goes right into my shade because my shade had to do with Groundhog's Day. And my thing is, which groundhog matters more? Is it Punxsutawney Phil or is it Milltown Mel who died right before Groundhog's Day? Oh, Dead. no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So my shade is, what is the shade? And you bring <laughs> up the good point because Milltown Mel died. And one thing That's I did sad. learn, do you know the average age of a groundhog? No clue. It's only three years old. So there's high turnover. No, I, I yeah. Well, I know Phil Punxsutawney Phil lives in his his house is in the Punxsutawney Library. Uh, that's where he and he has a female friend apparently. But I, I don't know if that extends his life because obviously the average age of a wild animal out in the wild there are variables to that. But if you have somebody who you know, has, you know, a setup of you. Right. Yeah. Then maybe you get it. But, you know, Orlando says Milltown Mel is not his groundhog. I am <laughs> a, I am a Punxsutawney Phil guy, but I also don't, I also don't understand why seeing the shadow means more winter. Like what's behind that? And is it factual or is it just uh, a made up thing that people tailgate for? And it's a great movie. I think it is uh, more of a story than actuality, right? It's a stition. <laughs> That's all it is. It's a stition. If this super happens, this will happen. Little. I mean, I, I would I would categorize it as a super because it's definitely a superstition. It, it we're talking about it. Yeah. So yeah. hey, we're on the same uh, page. Also, on the, uh, ooh, good side shade, Ryan. Thank you for bringing this up. Uh, Ryan says, "Can we please have info on Big Jeff and Quentin Spain's beef? I've never got touched on. That's his shade. Yeah, the shade is that the two worst players, two of the three worst players on the Bengals roster are Quentin Spain, Eli Apple, and Isaiah Prince. Isaiah Prince." Doesn't say a damn word because he is the worst person playing tackle I've seen since Will Svitek for the Tennessee Titans back in 2015. But Quentin Spain and Eli Apple won't stop talking stuff. Like Quentin Spain is going and, and dog cussing uh, Big Jeff and all this kind of stuff and still talking smack. And Eli Apple's out here in, in Twitter beef with two guys who are way better than he is at their sport, but he's riding the coattails of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the rest of the Bengals defense. Like, Quinn Spain sucks. Quinn Spain gave up a lot of sacks on Joe Burrow to the Titans, yet he won't stop talking. Uh, you know, something obviously happened between Spain and Simmons in, internally in that game where, you know, you, you go against a guy every single play, Things happen, and it just carried over. I just think it's hilarious when guys tweet out of emotion and then delete it. Like, you know, and and who texts them to delete it, right? Is it the PR guy? Do they just say, hey, like, delete that, that tweet? No, no. Yeah, because if you're a media relations guy with an NFL team or any pro sports team or college team, you've got all those guys' tweets on notification where you're getting every single one of them that flies in. And I don't know if you got a staff. It's like, all right, Steve, <laughs> you've got the linebackers. 
and you've got the wide receivers, and you just handle it like that. Take I don't that know. down now. Well, whoever had A.J. Brown over the last couple of years, they've had to text him a couple of times. Hilarious. A.J. Brown probably goes to Robbie Bourne. He, if Robbie, the superstars go to the top, and then the <laughs> staff members below get all the different other positional guys. But yeah, I mean, it's Quentin Spain and Eli Apple, strange uh, situation. But, hey, they're in the Super Bowl, so, you know, everybody gets a ring uh, somehow. Sometimes. All right, guys. Great show. Oh, wait, would you have? So your shade was Mel and Phil. Yeah, Mel okay. and Phil. Who is your groundhog? I'm the Phil person. I, I don't. I'm not stitches, so I, I don't have one. You don't prefer one or the other? No, I, I don't even know the weather. Like I woke up this morning, it was raining. So it's raining. I wake up yesterday. You even had to say that. I had a jacket on. You're like, it's like. 60 degrees outside. I was like, ah, yeah, I don't know. It's just not something that I really like prioritize. And I, I never have. It's very strange. Mm, interesting. The, okay. Well, anyway. Uh, that's why one day I'm going to live in Key West or uh, a place where I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down on the, on the movie? The movie Groundhog of what? Day. Groundhog Day. Oh, double. I love that movie. Great movie. Way better movie than whatever today actually is. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow on a what? or way better than that trash Kurt Warner movie that they made that I don't even know. Is anybody watched that trash? Actually, God yes. I, I think uh, I think our guy Zach Reagan watched it. Brutal. Yeah, sounds terrible. All right, guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, Orlando, A to Z showing range. We've covered a lot of things on today's show. We'll see what happens tomorrow, uh, especially after uh, Buck Rising talks with John Robinson today at 12.20 Central Time on The Zone. So he'll have more coverage of that on the website, A to Z sports.com. Don't forget the podcast network as well. So we'll see you guys tomorrow morning on a Thursday. Have a good one. Adios.